0: Great to be back on Search the Scriptures today with all of our listeners. Once again, we welcome you to Search the Scriptures. Good to be here, and we are so thankful to have this opportunity once again to be with you and open up God's Word and dig deep into those rich teachings and truths. How blessed we are to be able to do that each day in this program, and how blessed we are to have such ready access to God's Word, not the way it is in a lot of places in other countries. We need to take advantage of this blessing because we need to never just take it for granted that we're always going to have these opportunities, that we're always going to have this freedom to be able to study the Bible and teach it openly. It can change. Again, it's not that way in other places in the world, and that could change for us as well. So we never need to just take God's blessings for granted. We need to grasp them and use them to the best of our ability and to God's glory. We're thankful that we can study with you each day on this program, and we pray that you're learning a great deal as we do so. We try to dig deep into the scriptures and look at them in detail and in depth, and yet teach them in a way that, that makes sense for your daily life, that is easy to understand, That's something that you can relate to on a ready basis. And as you keep learning God's Word, your faith should be growing because that is the biblical formula for developing faith. It comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as that develops in your life, then you should be coming closer to God. And as you come closer to God, ultimately you should make up your mind to come to Him all the way through His Son, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. And then, at that point, begin that new life in Christ, that life of being reborn in him with a new direction, and that direction is toward heaven, with a new hope, and that is of eternal life. All of that by virtue of your having become a Christian, having come into Christ, being baptized into him. New person spiritually, how blessed that you can be. In the end of the program, we're going to give you some information by which you can contact us and ask for a free Bible study, one that we always offer on the program. And when we say free, we mean exactly that. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask us for it. It's a way that we try to get the word out there and help people learn more from God's word. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD and again, we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready and at the end of the program, we'll tell you how you can contact us. We're gonna get back into our study talking about one foot of water sins. If you haven't been with us during the first four sessions of this particular study, you might be scratching your head right now and saying, what are you talking about? One foot of water sins. Well, I've tried to explain how we think, we tend to think, I think a whole lot of us, we tend to think about sins in classifications. Or we talk about, we think about degrees of sin. And so we recognize that there are some sins that are really big and bad sins. These are these are really horrible sins. You can get condemned for messing with those kinds of sins. But then at the same time, we tend to kind of minimize some other sins. And we think, well, those aren't so bad. You know, everybody does those. Those are more incidental. And so I've compared them to drowning in the middle of, of the Pacific Ocean or drowning in one foot of water. All you need is a foot of water. You get your head under there, your face under there, your nostrils, your mouth, where you can't breathe oxygen, and you'll drown in a foot of water. And I've talked about how we've heard, all of us have heard reports. Maybe we've known of individuals who turn their back on little children who are in the backyard, little inflatable swimming pool that only holds a foot or so of water. Maybe they stepped into the house quickly to get something that came back and their little one had slipped under the water just a foot or so of water and drowned. Or maybe they turned their back, they stepped into the other room while they had their little one in the bathtub in their own bathroom and just stepped out to grab something. But when they came back, the little one had slipped under the water in the bathtub and had drowned. Didn't have to be much water. Well, you can drown in a foot of water. Or you can drown in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, maybe a mile or two or three deep. It's drowning just the same. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. And he does not distinguish between types or kinds or degrees of sin, he doesn't talk about great big bad sins. As compared to little minor inconsequential sins. He just says the wages of sin is death. And so we need to guard against sin altogether. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27 to not give the devil any place in our lives. Not a toehold. Not a where he can get his fingertips in the door and start to pull it open in our lives. He says, don't give him any place. But when we take part in what some people would call, oh, little sins, minor sins, incidental sins, small sins, we're giving the devil that very place. We're letting him get into our lives, into our hearts. And don't be surprised when he pries the door open wider and wider. And before you realize it, You have taken part in more and more and worse and worse sin. The wages of sin is death. Everybody understands that those great big sins that a lot of people would classify them as, murder, rape, and so on, those are sins that can keep a person out of heaven. But the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 and in some other texts in his letters, he lists a whole lot of other sins that a lot of people might look at and say, wait wait a minute, you mean I could be eternally lost, condemned forever, find myself eternally in hell because of those sins? One foot of water sins. And we talked about that. Hatred? Oh yeah. Hatred? Yes. First John chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Lying. Revelation 21 and verse 8. All liars. Doesn't say anything about white liars or small liars or big liars. He just says, all liars shall find themselves in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, hell, in other words. Getting drunk every now and then. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, among others, that drunkards would not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not be in heaven. It's a work of darkness, according to Romans chapter 13, verses 12 and 13, and God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. And in verse 6, John goes on and says, if we walk in darkness and claim to have fellowship with God, that we're lying. The truth is not in us. Now, what is revelries all about? Because if you go back to Galatians chapter 5, and you look at verses 19 through 21, one of those sins that he looks at there, that he lists, he, he is, is revelries. Now, let's see what he says again here. Beginning with verse 19, Galatians chapter 5. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, We ought to see those as big sins, certainly. But again, we ought to just see them as sins. He goes on and says, idolatry. That's the worship of idols. Or the worship through idols, even. Sorcery, hatred. Well, there's that, what some people might consider a one foot of water sin. Contentions. A contentious person is a sinner. Jealousies. Ooh, how many people would think that's such a bad sin that it could keep you out of heaven? Some might consider that a one foot of water sin. Paul lists it there as a sin that will keep people out of heaven. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, Paul writes, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's that revelries thing? You know, that's a strange-sounding word to us in English, and it may be that it's not a really readily translatable word in English, from the Greek to the English in just kind of a succinct way that we can understand it quickly and easily. Well, the idea of revelries, when you look at it in the original language, it's the idea of carousing. Vine, in his expository dictionary of New Testament words, notes that it's a consequence of drunkenness. Carousing, drunkenness, Sounds like a typical party scene in our society today, doesn't it? The alcohol's flowing. People are drinking various kinds of alcoholic beverages, partying. Their inhibitions are lowering, carousing. That's revelries. And things that go along with that, actions and behavior. When we turn to 1 Peter chapter, well, let's go back first to Romans, Romans chapter 13, and look at a verse that we looked at earlier in this particular study. And here the Apostle Paul says, let us uh, us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Do you see the contrast there? The contrast? Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. And the lewdness and lust can go along with the revelry or be a part of the revelry. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And here Peter writes along this line, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, that would be the unbelievers, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it a strange thing that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Huh. Our past lifetime, before we became believers, before we became Christians, he says, that's how you lived back then lived in lewdness and lusts and drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. Revelries. One foot of water sin. Huh? Well, it's condemned. The Apostle Paul condemned it. The Apostle Peter condemned it. And I would suggest to you that if we took a little time, we could go and find text after text after text in the scriptures that also warn against it. Notice the contrast between the two lifestyles. One is a righteous lifestyle, a godly lifestyle. The other one is taking part in, well, the works of the flesh, the works of darkness, and of which revelry is one. Well, let's look at another of those what we're calling one foot of water sins that we better be careful about that Paul listed there in Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 where he referred to all of those in that list as works of the flesh. What about strife? Now let's go back there, Galatians chapter 5. And he says... The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Contentions. That's strife. Contentions. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Well, strife is contentions. Interesting. Interesting that he would list something like that as a sin that will keep us out of heaven. Because let me tell you, we're used to a whole lot of strife in our culture today. In our society, in our world, in our country, in our community. Some people might think of strife as being violent, strife as being war, armed conflict, but strife can be evidenced in words, hateful language, or argumentative conversation. Put-downs verbally, belittling one another, or arguing about one thing or another, trying to kind of posture around for dominance and authority and power, disrespecting one another. And we could go on and on, describing situations that engender strife or of which strife is a part. vine says strife contention the expression of enmity and enmity a synonym for it a definition for it is strife when we go back to romans i'm sorry proverbs chapter 6 we look again beginning with verse 16 the wise man wrote that these six things the lord hates Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now either one of those words are very strong, very graphic in their meaning. Hate, we understand that's not a word to be used lightly. And I know a lot of people, they they do use it pretty lightly. They talk about how they hate peanut butter or how they hate Brussels sprouts or how they hate for this to happen or... Hate it when they do this. It might do well if they would stop and rethink their, their, their use of language there. Hate is a very strong word. When somebody says you're acting hatefully or you're just being hateful, literally that word hateful means full of hate. But the Lord hates these things. Six things, verse 16 says, and then he goes on and says, yes, seven are an abomination to him. I would suggest to you that abomination is even a stronger word than hate. An abomination, something that's absolutely repulsive to God. Now, don't think that there's something that's absolutely repulsive to God that he's going to then give a wink and a nod toward. If something is an abomination to God, we better make sure that we don't ever take part in whatever that thing is. But the wise man lists seven things here. He says a proud look, a lying tongue, lies engender strife. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Strife is a part of that. It results in strife. Feet that are swift in running to evil, that could cause strife. A false witness who speaks lies, that certainly will cause strife. And then notice the very last one. And one who sows discord among brethren. And that is all about strife causing strife. In Romans chapter 13, again, and we've looked at this particular text a few times already in this study, but we keep going there because it gives us instruction along this line. In Romans chapter 13, verses 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. We need to put on the armor of light. We need to be people of righteousness and not people of the darkness, which is sin which is ungodliness we need to be people who exemplify christianity who by their example show the world outside of christ a better way to live we need to be people of god and when we're walking in strife we're walking well how does paul put it again in the works of darkness Romans chapter 13, verse 12. We're walking in the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And those actions, those sins, whether you think of them as being great big horrible sins or maybe just more incidental sins, Paul lists them all in the same light and he says they'll keep us out of heaven. Even some of those that we might consider to be insignificant. Just one foot of water sins. Ah. You can drown though in a foot of water. We'll come back and finish this particular study next time. We do hope that you'll contact us, we'll give you the information how to do that in just a moment, and ask for that free Bible study. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, and it's free. And in both of these cases, we'll even take care of the postage. We never charge anybody anything for teaching them God's word. We wanna help you come to God. Won't you call us right away?